Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. I'm a designer, principal, and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I catch up with Georgia Lupi and Stephanie Posavec, who are the authors of Dear Data. It's a fantastic book that just released in the U.S., and it's all about how Stephanie and Georgia exchanged postcards over the course of the year, cataloging their experiences daily with data. We reached Stephanie and Georgia both from separate hotel rooms in London during their book launch, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stephanie and Georgia. All right, guys, we've got a special episode of Obsessed with Design today. I would like to welcome all the way from London in two different locations, Georgia Lupi and Stephanie Posavec, who are authors of the new book, Dear Data. Georgia and Stephanie, welcome to Obsessed with Design. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you, Josh, for having us. Well, it's very cool that uh, uh, your publisher had reached out to us. And you guys are with Princeton Press, correct? Uh, yes. In the, in the U.S., we are published uh, with Princeton Architectural Press. Yes. Yeah, very cool. So they, they hit us up and said, hey, there's a new book that you should know about, Dear Data, or do you guys say Dear Data? I, I say Dear Data. Dear Data. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Data. Good. That's, that's one of those potato, potato kind of words, I feel like, in the, in the U.S. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm on Team Data. And then Good. you guys can, <laughs> listeners can tweet at me if they, if they disagree with that background. So I, the, the book is super cool and we're going to dig into that further, but um, Georgia and Stephanie are both in the data visualization uh, and information design space. So uh, maybe Georgia, you could start us off and tell us a little bit about, um, about your background and how you got into data visualization. Sure. Um, so um, I studied architecture at the university, but um, well, I never have built or designed any houses. And I came to generally the design field only later in life and actually also to data visualization only six or seven years ago. Uh, well, to start from a little bit afar, as many of us, I think, have, of course, always, always been drawing since I was a little kid. I will draw everywhere, like even on my bedroom walls for the joy of my mom. And but actually, I think that, um, you know, I started design um, because I like to perform as weird as it sounds. Like when I was a little kid, I was dancing. Um, uh, I also started playing the piano and play the keyboard on a heavy metal band when I was a teenager. And this is another story that, of course, involved also like first experiments in graphic design with creating like the ugliest possible, as I see now, artwork for our totally unsold discs. But um, so, well, I would say that I've always liked to make stuff, to truly do stuff and put them out in the world and to see that they have a life of their own after, you know, I share what I do with others and and then to move on something else. So, well, get getting back to what got me to design, I think that I found the creative aspect of design, meaning doing something that didn't exist before, very stimulating and um I like doing design because I like boundaries, I like rules, and I personally see data visualization as the combination of my, say, like artistic or 
you know, emotional side and my rational and scientific one. So having a background in architecture, my mind needs to structure and organize information. But um, I guess like I also really love to invent um, visuals um, every time, I guess. So so I, I enjoy designing visual artifacts that have a logical and structural sense, um, but they are hopefully also um, visually pleasing. That, that is the long story short. <laughs> Love it. So Stephanie, maybe you could give us a little bit of your background and your origin story as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So my background, I, um, I, well, I live in London, but I am originally from Colorado. So I did my BFA in graphic design at Colorado State University. And then I went to do my MA in communication design at Central St. Martin's in London. And um, when I was on the MA, that's where I really, um, I think I, I first be began to become interested in data visualization. So I did a, a project um, called Writing Without Words, where I was exploring text visualization, mainly looking at um, On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And so, I mean, you'll find it on the internet, definitely. So it still kind of knocks about, but... Um, so that was like my first experience with data visualization, though at the time I thought that I was doing mapping or I thought, you know, I thought I would be a book designer, I would, you know, that I was into literature. So um, then I went, uh, you know, I, le I left my, my MA and I got a job working as a book cover designer uh, for a publisher and a book designer. So that's my design background. But then... Um, you know, the internet found my text visualization project. And so I was getting all of this other work. And um, so then I thought, okay, maybe this is, this is a place that I never really knew existed until other people opened it up to me. So uh, what I do now mainly is uh, I, yeah, I'm a self-employed, um, I say I'm a self-employed designer whose favorite material is data. So I do um, create information graphics, but I also am interested in working with data in a very uh, accessible and friendly way and, and, and try to experiment with new ways of communicating data. Because I think sometimes designers are afraid of working with number and communicating numbers. So like some projects I've done recently include making data that you can wear and touch or making uh, or visualizing data in a way that you can hop through it or dance through it. And so just exploring new languages that are slightly um, more unconventional um, to, to, to present and communicate data um, to people who might not care about it in the first place. Sure. And then, so how did the two of you end up working on this project together? So I guess before you answer that, I'd just like to say that um, Dear Data is uh, just now releasing in the U.S., so it's uh, very exciting. And you guys are both in, in London talking about this. But um, just since uh, to describe this a little bit, since audio isn't the most visual medium in the world, <laughs> Dear Data is a collection of, of postcards, basically, that, that Stephanie and Georgia sent back and forth. And they were visualizing different things. Uh, each week and did this over the course of, of a year. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, over year. one year. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, how the two of you got introduced and how this, this Dear Data project came to be a thing. 
Yeah, Stephanie, maybe I, I can start and then um, as, as we always do, we can take turns. Um, so, well, I, I also I think I didn't really uh, introduce properly what I do uh, today as an information designer. So I have my own uh, company that is called Acura that I co-founded five years ago. We are like 25 people, a team of designers and developers working in data visualization world. And as Stephanie says um, about her um you know, aim for making data more accessible. Um, I also have the same um, approach. So in my work with data, I always start from sketching and I approach data in a very handcrafted way. And it was actually this similarity that we have in the data world that, you know, brought us together. So we first met in life uh, in 2013 at this really amazing data art festival that is called IO and it happens in Minneapolis every June. Um, and we also met another time on the summer of 2013 where we both were speaking and giving a worship about how to draw with data and uh, discovering that we really had this pretty like unique approach to data. We decided to collaborate and um, uh, the plan to collaborate as always happens, um, it happens over drinks. So, um, well, <laughs> yeah, and then um, um, we, again, we both have really not only um, work similarities, but personal similarities because we are both exactly the same age. We are expats because like Stephanie is an American and she lives in London and I actually am an Italian and I live in New York. We are both only children, so struggling to be far away from our family. And really, really, we are obsessed with sketching and drawing with data. And so over the summer of a back and forth of email, we crafted the format of the Dear Data project. And um, Stephanie, you can describe it or, you know, chime sure. In. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we decided that we needed to collaborate after the festival. And so back and forth, we were emailing each other and the project, I'll just say the format, it, it started on the 1st of September of 2014. So actually, you know, two years ago, almost to the day. And um, every week for a year, uh, we um, gathered data um, on a shared topic. And these topics were um, kind of on a wide variety of things, like uh, how often we check the mirror, like we look into a mirror, how often we said thank you, um, our collections of books, or um, how often we check the clock, um, food preferences. So a really wide variety of topics. And so we would gather data on these for a week. And then at the end of the week, we would begin to analyze our data and then um, draw its visualization on the front of the postcard. And then on the back of the postcard, we would put our stamp and address and then the title of the week. And then also a legend for how to read the drawing on the front of the postcard. And then we would send them to each other and then we would have to wait um, until they arrived. So we would never send a scan of one post. You know, we would never send scans of our postcards to the other. You just had to wait there until you received it. And if it went lost, then you, you know, want, we would have to draw it again and then send it again. So we kind of called it, it a very slow data transmission. And, and actually, well, um, I think that it's it's nice because the first um, question, like open question that we put, um, you know, um, on the core of our collaboration is like, um, is it possible to get to know a person only through the, the medium of data and drawings? Because actually before starting Dear Data, we only met, um, as I was saying, like twice in our life. And so uh, being data and drawings, our, you know, most um, 
like our preferred medium of expressions, we really try to push it as forward as possible. And um, yeah, sort of like uh, building a friendship, which is really now is a friendship, uh, just um, just through our data and our drawings. I think that's a, a really beautiful way to look at it, especially if you're thinking about um, data visualization or infographics or something, you may think immediately sort of very clean vector graphs and charts. And this is not at all what this book is. It's got a very, um, a very handmade, handcrafted aesthetic, as, as I think one of you said. Talk us through kind of your decision to make this a hand-drawn thing as opposed to a more more heavily produced or more refined kind of idea. Just talk us through kind of your decision to go this aesthetic direction. Well, I, I mean, I'll just start, but I, I mean, it does really come from the fact that um, we were both interested in drawing data by hand. And I think this is something you know, um, that where we were taking part in this hand drawn sketching process when creating visualizations and so we wanted to take, like to make that process be the conclusion to be the final piece. So that was the, like that was our main interest in collaborating together. Well, besides getting to know each other better, and um, also because I think we wanted to challenge ourselves um, by taking it off screen and and in like working with really basic materials to to see how many different new vi visual languages we could come up with and to really like use these constraints as an opportunity to. Um, explore new visual systems for presenting data. Yeah, and also we think that, uh, just to add, I'm um, totally, totally second Stephanie, of course, uh, we also think that the analog and the intrinsic, like imperfect nature of the output um, makes the idea of data visualization more accessible and more human. And also there is a slowness, like a force reflection that is required by the medium that is very unique. And so both the process of crafting the postcards and uh, of reading the postcards are slow, are human. And we also like to think that really spending so much time drawing your data, because of course it's something that takes you longer than like pulling, pulling data into a tool and generating um, a visualization with a digital tool. It was really our way of spending time together. And I think it's interesting also like um, adding on to something that um, Stephanie said, but also that you said on your question uh, is like, let's maybe stop thinking that data is perfect. Uh, data is not perfect. It's primarily human made and data driven doesn't mean unmistakably true. And so I think that um, with this project, we really also wanted to reclaim the idea that data can be imperfect, but at the same time, tell compelling and personal stories. So did you have, um, you know, I just got the copy last week, so I haven't read through all of these yet, but did you have any where the, um, the postal service kind of created some snafus for you? Or did you have any that were totally lost or partially destroyed or did everything make it back and forth in the process? Uh, I'll let I'll let Georgia talk about this because her cards got the most <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, I think this, and and we still have to figure out if it's like um, the U.S. Postal Service fault or the U.K. Postal Service. 
fault. But the thing is that Stephanie's card always arrives to me perfect, like really perfect. While my cards sometimes arrive to Stephanie like full of like water damages. So the, on my week 12, which was a week where we would gather data around the people that we have around us, I used some like um, what watercolor marks and all of the postcard and my postcard was totally just like melted like really watered it <laughs> it got to stephanie really watered and there's also an anecdote on the book about you know how we really realized at a certain point that we had a third party in our collaboration which was the postal service and also that our cards have life of its own of their own so yeah definitely my cards sometimes were just also crumpled very yeah just like folded in, in weird ways um and but three Oh, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, I say, I think it's because in the UK, they post all my mail through the mail slot. And I don't know, my postman, he seems like he likes to fold things in to, to like into to like jam it through the, the mail slot in the door. So I think it's just due to I actually think it's due to that. He's not he's not very careful. So I'm sorry, Georgia. Oh, no worries. But how many how many postcards got lost, Stephanie? I think that you had to redraw three, and probably I had to redraw four of them, if I'm yeah. correct. Yeah. So would you take um, like camera phone pictures of of the card before you sent it, just in case, or was there was there any backup, or did you just have to totally start over if you lost one? Uh, oh yeah, we would scan our postcards before they. Like, yeah, before they left and then, you know, painstakingly, you know, look at the, the scan and then redraw it all again and then refer to our notes and stuff to just do it all over. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, obviously the postman sort of became the, the third party to the collaboration. But um, the other piece that I'm kind of curious about is uh, it's very cool that Maria Popova, if I'm saying her name correctly, did your forward because she's like the smartest woman on the internet or something, but um, very cool that she was involved in the project. And so how did you get her involved and tell us about how um, you got Princeton press interested in the, in the book as well. Oh, oh I'll, I'll start um, by um, talking about Maria and, and maybe Stephanie, you can talk about the book and how it got in the UK and then in the US. Um, yeah. So yeah, actually Maria covered the launch of the project in the first place because like we started our project on September 1st, 2014, but we didn't make it public until I'd say February 2015. So we really had a backup of a lot of postcards before uh, building our website. And that was also partly because uh, we, you know, we wanted to wait a little bit to understand if what we were doing was really compelling and interesting, but also like to really have a backup plan of postcards to put online, um, the, given the fact that the postal service is not so reliable. And so when we, um, yeah, when we um, decided to um, get the website up and to show our cards, uh, we contacted Maria to see if she was interested in uh, writing a post about that on Brain Pickings. And actually, we have both um, have had our work published uh, by her uh, before, as she is very interested in, in everything that is around 
science and design and visualization. And actually, I think she's mainly interested in something that can reveal aspects of our human life and our existence that um, we, we didn't know. And so uh, both Stephanie and I had some of our data visualization published by her before. So she was familiar with our works. And I, I had the really great, great uh, lucky and pleasure to meet her in New York uh, a bunch of time. And I mean, we're 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 practically friends now, so I'm, I'm very lucky that I have this connection with her. She's one of the most brilliant, amazing, smart human being uh, in the planet, definitely. <laughs> very cool. And uh, just on a, I guess, in regards to uh, the publication, so um, actually, uh, as soon as it was launched um, on Brain Pickings, well, I mean, it was really well received, and then... Uh, and a very, our very wonderful literary agent, uh, Rebecca, who's based in the UK, got in touch. And um, so everything started from there. So actually, um, when uh, like the book was originally was like origin originated in the UK um, through our awesome editor, Helen Conford at Penguin Random House. So it's being published by Penguin Random House under their particular books in print in the UK and then Princeton Architectural Press in the US. So because we really wanted to make sure that it was published in, in both of the, you know, it's a, it's a par like naturally a parallel project. And so we were really excited to have such great publishers on each side of, of the Atlantic, you know, and to launch at the same time, which is, which is amazing. That's cool. So I'd imagine, um, at least from what I've understood, you guys are doing some some press and some events around uh, the launch of the book. So you don't have to tell me anything that's that's still under wraps. But um, give us a little idea of kind of what the uh, the PR cycle is for the launch of a book like this. How do you, do you mean like like the, the 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 lead time or the or like the type of places they approach? Um, yeah, I suppose any of that would be interesting. My my question was more around um, appearances and you know what kinds of events and things are you are you attending to help promote the book. But I think it'd be really interesting to know about the lead time stuff too. Well, um, Georgia, do you want to talk about uh, everything going yeah. on in the U.S.? Sure. Well, I mean, actually, um, we have um, had our book launch in the UK in these days, and so a lot of things are happening in the UK. But like, since um, I think that Josh probably made the most part of your listener, I have no idea, but probably they are most in the US, we can talk about what's happening in the States. And so we will have our book launch in New York uh, on September 8th, which is going to be uh, the you know, for now that we are recording next Thursday and um, we will be at the Rizzoli bookstore and actually we have the great, great honor of having Maria Popova moderating the launch of the event. So it will be a conversation um, at the Rizzoli bookstore with Maria. Then uh, the evening after, we will have a data drawing workshop at the Sketchbook Project, which is another great art, um, art space in New York. And these are the two main events that Stephanie and I, uh, we will be doing together. So now I'm in London because we launched the book together in the UK and Stephanie will be in New York with me next week for the, um, the US launch. And then I think that starting from there, uh, we have a few other events that uh, we will be involved with, but like separately. So I will be probably mostly promoting the book uh, in the US and Stephanie will keep in, we will keep on um, promoting the book in the UK. I think we've been very lucky to have 
you know, to be able to work with two publicity department at our publishers that are finding really amazing opportunities for us. So also a lot of press opportunity, like the book is not out yet in the US, but we've already had a great review on Wired, on the Washington Post, on Vice. Um, um, yeah, and, and some other some other very good press is on the way. So we are really lucky and, um, you know, we couldn't be happier so far. That's really cool. Congratulations on on all the publicity. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so maybe we could take a little bit of a um, a different direction. So Georgia, I'd be curious to know outside of all the exciting things happening with your data, what's what's a typical work week, work day like for you? Tell us a little bit about um, your practice in particular. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I think that the week time span is more, um, I mean, for me, probably is more interesting as, um, of course, as many as of us, I do many different things. Primarily, I um, I am employed in my company. So um, as I was introducing, I run a design firm, a data visualization design firm together with other three partners. And right now we are a team of 25 um, people, mainly working from our Italian office in Milan. And it's only two of us. Actually, my husband and I, we, we work together uh, in our Uton office in New York. So um, I live in Williamsburg, which is in Brooklyn, which is right after the Williamsburg Bridge. And every morning I would wake up and uh, what I do every morning is like starting to do some work from home as uh, given the time zone, uh, you would wake up and a lot, a lot of stuff already happened in Italy. So just taking care of the most urgent things from home. And then I would walk the Williamsburg Bridge sometimes with my husband, sometimes uh, by myself if our schedules are different. And I would spend most of the time in my office in Tribeca, um, mostly with the company directing the design. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I have a great team of great designers that um, I, I, I don't, um, I mean, I actually don't need to be hands on on the projects anymore. First of all, because they're much more skilled and younger than me, but also uh, I think that as a professional growth um, within my company, um, it, it is my aim to uh, just overview that everything is going okay, being available for them, directing the project, but mostly like finding new clients and uh, making sure that everything in the company is growing the way we want it to grow. And so um, I will spend my weeks uh, talking with them, reviewing some projects, talking with new clients, uh, some meetings for sure. And um, my schedule is very flexible, even if, I mean, I work full time, but given that I can decide when to go to meetings and when to set up meetings, I will also um, make sure uh, that I'll take the proper time for everything that is going on with Dear Data um, and, uh, you know, with, with this like personal project that is becoming uh, bigger and bigger. And just to finish, uh, like working with my husband, uh, there's no clear boundary between work and life as, as actually I think that many of us uh, don't really have. So we would also like spend some of our evenings um, eating together at a restaurant or a pub because like shape, I mean, shamefully, despite being Italian, I don't cook. So like we would just like um, hang out and have dinner and drinks out and keep on like 
working, but really working um, in a way like thinking about what's next or making some reflections upon what happened. And um, and then I'll, I'll also make sure that I'll find some times over the weekends to experiment on something as as it was Dear Data or the making of the book of Dear Data. So something that for me, you know, bring me back to making making stuff, designing stuff as, as I'm not doing anymore in my company. Georgia, um, before we jump in with Stephanie's response to that, you kind of alluded to maybe there's some other projects cooking. <laughs> are, um, are you thinking about uh, what's next after Dear Data from a kind of a side project standpoint, or are you just kind of experimenting with some things for now? Uh, well, yeah, I think that like Stephanie and I can um, can speak together about that. Uh, we, I mean, to me, Dear Data has been such a, a a huge, huge project and learning experience in my life, and and the response of people about um, about your data and around your data is so incredible that I think that like both Stephanie and I uh, are thinking of possible extensions of Dear Data. So there's there, there's something cooking, definitely, definitely. Um, still, still, I think it's early to, to talk to talk about that, but definitely, uh, watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about uh, about your day to day role and what what things you're up to outside of Dear Data. Um. Well. Okay. So, my day to day role is um, pretty different from Georgia, I guess. So, um, I work for myself. I'm a self employed designer. I um, work. Um, I don't have to travel very far uh, to my office, so it's now at home in my house. And uh, generally, um, I have quite a varied, um, I guess I have a really varied type of work life. So, um, you know, as every uh, self-employed person does. Um, so I do a variety of things, like I speak at conferences or I'll speak at businesses or um, I will travel and teach work, like teach workshops either at conferences or businesses or um, to students. And then also as well, um, at the moment, I'm, I'm getting a lot of art commissions or more creatively um, kind of centered data projects. So for example, I'm working on a really large project right now where I am I'm using data to create designs for like two, uh, the fronts of 200 um, hospital rooms in a new hospital uh, outside Cambridge. And then I'm working on another project that is a physical data visualization project. So because we've done the book, but, you know, obviously, like I do a lot of different things. So because we've done the, the book, uh, Dear Data, I, I became really interested in book design again. Like it's a, such a nice space to work and you're always working with really great, great people. So um, I'm going to design another um, book for Penguin as well. So it's, it's quite varied, but I think that really, I, I guess because I work for myself, I have the luxury to pick and choose and, um, you know, this, you know, really like focus on taking the projects I, I want to take. So I'm, I feel like I'm in a really good place right now. And, and I actually really see Dear Data as a full-time project because like that's how I, I fit it into my, my, my work schedule because I have that flexibility where I can kind of um, move things around. So that's, yeah, that's the type of stuff. Um, oh, I think I, I was also designing um, some 
like using data to inform designs on tableware. So like everything I do is like kind of starts from data or systems, but then how it manifests itself it can be like really strange. <laughs> Sounds like a very scientific approach to how you determine what the visualization should be. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like um, like maybe the way that George and I work differently with data is that I always said that, I mean, I do say I'm an information designer and I do create information graphics and I do um, work with data visualization. But I think I'm starting to lean back to saying that I'm a designer whose favorite material is data. So often um, I like to use data as like the starting point to inform, uh, like to communicate. So instead of just communicating the insights within a data set, I will use data to, um, I, I, I like to use it to create an outcome to communicate more subjective or emotive messages. So I, yeah, I think, yeah, so I'm starting to go into a different space where I, yeah, I'm just a designer again, but, but I, I go to data as the first port of call for, for coming up with a solution to a, um, like a design problem. I like that. So maybe for each of you, you could tell us a little bit about um, when it comes to client work, how do you find good clients and what would define a good client for you individually? Of, of course, um, Stephanie and I have different yeah, different day um, day job. So for me, uh, right now we are we're in a very good place with the company. We can work with big clients that have, um, and and then we can also have uh, the opportunities. As Stephanie said, after after a little bit of the company, to pick and choose our clients and to really just work with the clients that we feel can help us make an impact with what we do. So. The type of clients that we as accurate work with are very, very different. We've been working with all of the, um, we've been working a lot of with newspapers and magazines. So we've been publishing a lot for the main Italian newspapers, like data visualization for Corriere della Sera, which is the main Italian newspapers. But uh, we also have been published um, on, um, have been publishing data visualization on US outlets such as Popular Science, Popular Mechanics. We will be publishing a data visualization on Scientific American soon. So all of that part of like data storytelling uh, with this type of clients is something that, that we do. But also more and more we work digitally and so we will help different kind of organization like we've been working with the United Nations we're currently working with IBM um, or su such kind of companies to um, find insights in their data through both static visualization but more and more exploratory tools like we would design both the UX uh, so the user experience uh, and the, the visual models that will allow our clients to access their data in a more intuitive way and what we design uh, these kind of tools are, are never for programmers or statisticians are often for like top managers that are not really skilled into working with data uh, to really really monitor what's going on to make a forecast and provision and it's it's very interesting because like with these kind of like big projects that I myself would not be able to do you know alone I really feel that uh, we are having an impact on these organizations in terms of like how they understand their business, how they take their decisions, how they also inform their customers. So I'm really like more and more interested in the real impact that uh, a work of data um, or yeah, a work of data, whether it's like a static visualization to tell people more about a topic uh, and so to make them learn something or an interactive tool that let people really monitor what's going on 
uh, but in a very visually intuitive and even hopefully beautiful way, I'm very interested in the impact that that can can have, um, you know, on, on our clients and their customers. And um, a good client, I think, is a client that comes to us with a lot of questions, but also that is open to change their questions as we work. And so I think that um, a good client for us and for me is a client that is really also open to change their mind, their initial assumption on what they're expecting to find in the data as we work. Because we really think that uh, baking design, and so in this case, data visualization design, at the beginning of the process of a long-term collaboration with a client is really key to ultimately be able to reconnect numbers with something that really is important, which are always like people, behaviors, and our stories. I, I don't know if I fully, fully answered your question, but that was what came to mind. <laughs> well, I love that idea of coming to you with questions, but being open to changing the questions or at least changing their point of view after you've had time to kind of work with them and sift through that problem. Yeah. And actually, I mean, just, just, just to add, I think that one of the things that I find more interesting is that um, in the beginning, like, I mean, starting the company, uh, we started the company five years ago and we didn't really have any like marketing strategies or we didn't, we didn't clearly have an idea on how to go about working with a client. Um, so we would just, you know, start designing and developing and then everything was died. But more and more what we are doing with clients is like, Finding a way to collaborate on a first month, which would be something like a retainer, where in the first month we would explore what we can do together as opposed to just like starting designing, responding to a brief. So I really like the first exploratory phase to come up with the best way to then to work together, right? So that's something that I find much more and more interesting. So we really have the time to understand what is meaningful and like, um, we are also very lucky uh, because uh, like uh, how we find client was another another um, question like the 98% of the clients they come to us because um, yeah we've been published um, you know in, in, in different kind of like magazines and also we speak at conferences and and the data visualization field is still relatively small so there are not so many data visualization studios or firm especially design driven data visualization firms out there so so far um, we've been lucky that uh, good, good clients are coming so let's hope that um, it will be still the case for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, Stephanie, what's what's your take on that? How do you determine a good client fit, and um, how do you track those down? Um, well, I guess in in regards to how I track clients down, um, I suppose that I've um, I'm in a similar position to Georgia and her company in that um, I've been, you know, incredibly lucky to speak at conferences and to you know, have work in various press. And so generally, yeah, generally clients come to me. I mean, I'm obviously getting different clients uh, than Georgia just because, you know, I work for myself. But I think from my perspective, at this moment in time, like I like to be freelance because I really enjoy the fle flexibility. I've worked for myself for about six years now and I like to be able to um, determine I mean, I work, I work a lot, but I, I like to be able to choose what I want to do. And I, 
I want to ha- like have a, a positive work life balance. So I, I suppose that like one important thing for a client with me is, is, is probably one that, um, doesn't expect me to be emailing them after like 7 PM. You know, I mean, sometimes I will, but I just like, I think it's really important to be able to have like boundaries. So I think that like, from my perspective, I have very small client needs. It's, uh, it's about like, uh, being like respecting a work-life balance, um, because I think that's important. But then like from the data perspective, I think it's really just, I think I agree with Georgia and that people have, yeah, people have this idea that when they work with data, they will be able to get exactly what they wanted at the beginning. And I think like the need for flexibility is important. And also um, something that I think the self-employed data visualization or information designer will also get is that um, there are people that come to me with like, they want me to do something with their data. They think it's data visualization, but it's not really data visualization. It's like just designing big numbers and putting lots of pretty pictures around it. And so I think as long as you know, like, you know, I think even on a small scale, like particularly like from, I don't know, I don't know sometimes even from like maybe arts industries or like uh, more technological, like funding, like spaces, um, that like or create creative technology sort of things. I, I'm often surprised at how many people think they know what data visualization is when they don't. So like that's just re- a really small scale client issue for me. But I mean, if you're self-employed, it, it gets frustrating when, uh, you know, you have to pe- people will hire you to do your job, but then they don't you realize that they don't want you to do your job um, properly. Well, I think you're kind of bringing up a good point about maybe misconceptions of what data visualization is or is not. Um, so I'm curious outside of that point, or maybe to expand on that a little bit, if there are other things within this uh, segment of the design industry that just sort of drive you nuts, either expectations from from clients or prospects or just other things that you're seeing from generally in the in the internet out there of uh of data visualization design or what are the things that drive you crazy or what are maybe some of the other misconceptions i mean i I suppose like again we work in different spaces but i think it's it's because people don't actually look at the data but like they have a shape they have a predetermined shape of what something what they want something to look like but they won't but the data is not shaped that way. You know, like you can't actually visualize the certain types of data in certain types of ways. And so if someone isn't flexible, like what Georgia said, um, then um, it can be really maddening to try to accommodate someone who, who, who has a certain shape that they want, um, but the, the data will never, will never fit that. So I, th- I think it's like, yeah, it's just, expectations before even looking at the data. That's probably the main issue. Yeah, I very much agree with Stephanie. And um, I also couldn't agree more with something that Stephanie, you said before. Um, a lot of clients, and I mean, I, I think it's just because the data visualization literacy is still, um, you know, building and growing. But a lot of clients, for example, come to us 
um, referring to some work of us that they like that are very, very dense data visualization that, I mean, you, you can definitely um, find them if you Google our, our company's name, Acura, that we've been doing for Corriere della Sera, where we would really work with very uh, compound data set, really uh, combining different kind of data sets to tell different stories. And they refer to that kind of work that they love, but actually what they have is like, I don't know, four numbers. And it's like impossible that we can even come up with a visualization that is so like dense and details when you only have like really a, a few, few numbers. And what we do in these cases is also, and I think that's an, an important part of a data visualization designer. We also start working with them on how they can collect better better data or more rich data or how they can contextualize data and and this brings me to another thing that um i i some misconception i think are also around the fact that a data set itself can tell a story solve a problem or answer a question and what we always always like to do is really um trying to educate i know that educate is not is not a good word in english but i don't have a better one now but like um like talk to them through the whole process of collecting a data set and how collecting the data and how combining the data set with contextual um, information is really as important as the primary data set so really really trying to always put these first numbers in context which which is not something that our clients are necessarily open to in in the first place and and, and like going back to dear data i think it's it's a nice um it's a nice loop that we are doing here because what we did with dear data um we've been collecting our personal data as many many apps now can do and so we're very full of like tracking apps even if we don't wear our fitbit just by carrying our phone around we know how many steps do we do every day and and, and a lot of other stuff but like we didn't we didn't think of dear data as a quantified self project and we always say that it's a more a personal documentary project because we really contextualized these numbers according to what was happening in the moment what we were thinking and a lot a lot a lot of like further questions that could help inform the first data set well, I think what's um, what's really interesting about you know you think of that in the context of the book Dear Data, and you look at the different ways that the two of you chose to to visualize many of these things. Is it's it's just first of all it's delightful because they're so much fun to look at, but it's it really is um, like you've created this visual language with each of these postcards, and the cool thing is it shows on the back of the postcard like the key of here's how to read this or here's how to, how to decode what's going on on the front side. And it's, it's just really fun to look at. Um, it's almost these new languages that you've created on each of these postcards. And, and then given, given the reader this uh, decoder ring by which to translate all of that, that information. Yeah, and this is something that actually Stephanie was saying before. And I think it's very important that um, like, by really removing the computer from the equation, we, Stephanie, you said that, that before we were forced to really extend ourselves as designer to, and come up every, every week with a different visual language because a very common approach when it comes to data visualization is just like pulling a data set into a tool like Tableau or Excel that will return you to a very standard graphic. But when you draw with data, you really have to work 
uh, to find solutions like visual solutions that are super customized and tailored and personalized to the data set that you're working with. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, obviously like the book is about a year of uh, gathering and collecting this data and trying to communicate, you know, our lives to the other person and get to know each other and ourselves better in the process. But um, I think also I would hope that like, even if um, an agency or a design studio just had the book and just was flipping through it just to see like how many different visual approaches, like they're all incredibly unique using different textures and colors and materials, like just how many you can you can find out there, like just even for inspiration that like, if you just move out of that standard, you know, library space and begin to sketch and start from a different space that like you can begin to, to like visualize data in another way. I mean, uh, whether that is for a straightforward newspaper, like graphic or visualization, or, or even just working with data to inform something like a more creative project. Um, like across the data visualization spectrum, but just showing that, yeah, that it doesn't have to always fit into this one way of presenting data. So I, I just hope that like, even if, you know, you, even if you were just skimming through the book, flipping the pages that you would be able to see, you know, it would inspire you and in how you visualize like data for your practice or for your, your company. Stephanie, maybe I'll have you um, answer this one first, but this is another question that we ask all of our guests so I'm curious what each of you would define as something you're most obsessed with right now. Oh, oh, okay. What am I most obsessed with right now? I mean, it's really hard because like, I think that probably dear data is what I'm most obsessed with uh, right now. But I think I'm really, well, actually what I'm really obsessed with right now is I've been teaching a lot of workshops and I know this is dear data related, but I think what I'm really excited about is uh, trying to communicate to um, designers or people who aren't designers, um, like how to work, how to create kind of procedurally generated designs, like to use data to um to make a drawing. I don't know if that's a good answer, but um, I've been teaching a lot of workshops where, um, and like George and I just did a workshop this week, but where we were like, you know, setting up instructions and really trying to walk people through the process of like setting up rules to create like a, like to visualize data and just to understand that process. So I think what I'm most obsessed about is just, it's a particular way of thinking. You have to think very systematically when you're creating data visualization. I think I'm just really, I want to tell all sorts of people that this is a really interesting way to produce work. And so like, I, I'm interested in finding ways to, to teach people um, that process. Very nice. Georgia, what would you say you're most obsessed with right now? Well, that's it's a really, um, yeah, great question. I think that like by listening to Stephanie, I uh, sort of like, yeah, really realized that Again, for me as well, Dear Data has really been really life-changing, both professionally and personally. And I am, um, well, as a person, as a human being, I'm most obsessed, as, as I've always been, by keeping on making learning, making stuff that can um, hopefully move people and to, to, I mean, stuff that, like, 
um, people can relate to uh, that can trigger them to understand something or I mean really really to making designs or artifacts that can move people and like after the year data and this like very very positive response to to like from every kind of person not only designers or data geeks I'm I'm obsessed in um, keeping on actually pushing forward the boundaries of what data visualization, working with personal data can be um, as as opposed to just, for example, defining what is design, what is art, what is data visualization, and what is data art. I really find that I'm obsessed with like blurring these boundaries and finding way to make data more humane, even if it can really sound strange if you think about it. But like, so as, as Stephanie was saying, so trying to engage the more people possible in this uh, new, I think, approach to collecting your personal data, working with your personal data to discover something about yourself, to meditate in a way, to appreciate the details of your life, and to—I um, mean, I wouldn't—I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that data can be a tool to um, heal your, yourself, but um, I think that. It's, it's really, really, really a good place right now to be a data visualization designer because like more and more data um, have become popular and like due to this like first peak of infographic, people are are starting to get really familiar with what data is and what data can do. And, 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 it, and it's now, I think, that we can design the future of the, future, the near future, one of the futures that, uh, you know, the discipline of designing with data can can lead to. And I, th I really think that everything should run around um, personalization and making making data much, much, much more personal, contextual and, and intimate. And the, the way we visualize it, it, it's really crucial because it's the key to translating these numbers into concepts that we can relate to. Do either of you have any design heroes? Hmm. Oh, I'm, it I'm Italian. I need to say Massimo Vignelli. <laughs> <laughs> we approve of that in the U.S. as well. Yeah. I, I have a, a, a bunch of random design heroes. Um, I suppose my design heroes are three that, and that helped me get to where I am now. So, or that inspired me that I still look back on. So, um, at different stages. So Paul Rand when I was 18, um, John Maida when I was 19, and uh, Lucien Day, the UK textile designer, uh, when I was 20. Like, they're, you know, formative years of uh, really being interested in a, in a aesthetic, in a, in, a, in a journey, and, like, you know, deciding what field I, I, I wanted to to work in great all all really great ones well if, if i can add um one person that really inspires me and i mean i, I she's italian as well but it's not that i want to also only talk about italian designers but like i really really now um she she can even be one of my heroes like paolo antonelli the um yeah of course the senior curator of the um, architecture and design department at moma the museum of modern art and i really love what she's trying to do in like pushing forward what design can be and what a museum can really acquire as a design object she's really really doing a job that um like tying it back to to what I was saying of like the idea that a dry 
I, I like to blurry boundaries rather than just like building fences between disciplines. I think that she's really, really doing a great, great job. Cool. So both of you have some uh, exposure to, uh, or I guess opportunities at least to do teaching in the workshop. So I'm curious, maybe there's a best piece of advice that you pass along during those workshops, or maybe what's your best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, I mean, I think probably, okay, so I'll just uh, go first, but I think um, the advice I will always give people in a workshop, or at least in regards to data visualization, um, is I suppose the main thing is everything must have a reason, <laughs> at least when you're working with data. And oh, actually, you know what, that is probably, you know, just being able to justify every reason and everything should have a good reason it applies to both data visualization and to design. And I mean, so that is like, as part of my MA, you know, that is what, what you do on a, on a master's in design. You pick apart every typeface, every color, and you need to have a reason. You need to be able to justify everything. So I think like really uh, both uh, traditional design or I guess communication design and data visualization, I think that's probably the only, like the main thing that you need uh, to get by. <laughs> <laughs> love it Georgia what would you add to that I think that like um, what what I sometimes say to students or to people I mean I know that Stephanie teaches much more many more workshops that I do but I I get a lot of email from students or to people that would like to meet to me to meet with me and ask me um, you know some advices for how to move forward to their career. And what I, I find myself always saying, and I, I don't know exactly why, probably it's just because it's my approach, is like not to wait, to do what you want to do, to start immediately and to decide what you want to do by making. So uh, I think that this is something that um, I, I find myself saying a lot because I find that a lot of questions from students or from people that just like approach me is like, okay, how, how can I make this perfect? How can I uh, do all of this bunch of stuff uh, if I don't know how to, if I don't know who to reach out to? I think that like really just like start making as, as really as obvious as it seems. It's something that um, I find myself saying a lot and also like coming back to the world of data visualization, to a data visualization designer, I feel that I always also like to say uh, to keep on being curious and to keep a critical eye on everything that strikes your visual attention and actually to not look for visual inspiration from existing data visualization because I feel we really need to look somewhere else if we want to create something that is unique. And so fish for visual clues in unusual context, for example. I mean, I'm, I'm very attracted by abstract art, musical notation, architectural drawing, scientific drawing and I really feel that if we learn how to see and dissect what our eyes are attracted to in terms of like details, colors, just a position of forms, uh, we then are more and more able to build our personal visual vocabulary to then be, um, you know, translated in our style, our personal touch on what we do design-wise. Sure, we had... Um... Tad Carpenter, who's a identity and illustration designer, uh, on a few weeks back, and he was talking about how when they do um, sort of inspiration boards for colors and textures and things, he 
he tells his team, okay, let's not include any pieces of graphic design in the mood board. Let's just pull in things from nature or photographs or, you know, other things that can inspire. So I think that's a, it's a very similar kind of concept to not just be so insulated by looking at data visualization to be inspired to <laughs> create more yeah. data viz. Absolutely. Also, because otherwise I think you'll end up really um, incorporating something of what has already been done in your design. And this is a field like data visualization, I think, that will definitely still um, need to have some innovative um you know, innovative visual designs or, or, or exploration around how you can visualize data. So the more we can, again, uh, push forward what we're doing by really being cross-pollinated and impollinated by um, other fields, the, the better for the field itself. Very cool. Well, I appreciate both of you for chatting with me today. And before we let you each get back to promoting your awesome creation here. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about where we can track each of you down online and uh, where people can find your data. You can find me online at uh, stephaniepasovic.co.uk or stephpass on Twitter, or um, I guess in the UK, which I know this is doesn't apply to you guys, uh, but um, I'll take the UK side, but you can find us just Find your data um, at your favorite independent bookstore or on Amazon.co.uk. Um, and I'm yeah. always up for I'm always up for a chat if anyone is ever in London. <laughs> yeah, and actually, Dear Data is at www.dear-data.com, and we have a Twitter feed which is um, underscore Dear Data in Twitter. And as of myself, uh, is Georgia Lupi. So. Uh, Georgia with the I instead of the E is, as I've had a lot of misspelling of my name. So it's going to be G-I-O-R-G-I-A-L-U-P-I.com and uh, at Georgia Lupi on Twitter. And um, my company's name is Accurate. So it's going to be Accurate.nyc. Um, and so that's that's it. Excellent. Well, Georgia and Stephanie, I appreciate you both. Uh, for chatting with us today. We'll be sure to include links to all of those things on the show notes so everyone can head over to obsessedshow.com and track down this episode for all of those notes just in case the spellings uh, thwart your efforts <laughs> to track them down. <laughs> so Georgia and Stephanie, thanks for being obsessed with design. All right, guys, that's episode number 34 in the books for all of today's show notes. Be sure to check out obsessedshow.com. As usual, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. Speaking of our listeners, if you have other ideas for who we should interview next, tweet to us at obsessedshow or at Josh Miles. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located on the 13th floor, just above Monument Circle in downtown Indianapolis. Check us out online at milesherndon.com. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Check out brassybroad.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.